Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First United Methodist Church. come to you this day, we come to you as a people who need you desperately, a people who need a relationship with you, a people who don't need another religion, 
We don't need another how-to book. What we need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we come today, help us to build that relationship. Help us to seek that relationship. And having been filled with the Holy Spirit as we have gathered in this place, may we leave this place ready to tell the world the reason for the hope and the joy and the love and the peace and the grace that is within us. And we ask it, Lord, in your name and for our sake. And together we say, Amen. Let me invite you to join with me as we say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. So today, we're going to talk about somebody who works with animals, okay? And this person has to stay out in the field with the animals all day long, um, and the animals go, bad. What do you think this person is? Shepherd. The shepherd, good job. And so uh, today, in Sunday school, we learned about the good shepherd, and who is that? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our good shepherd. And we listened to the story about how there was a shepherd and he had 100 sheep. And all of a sudden he looked up and one was lost. Do you remember what happened? Yeah. Well, he decided to leave the 99 in their fields and he went to go search after that one sheep. And he found him. And when he found him, he was, was he mad at the sheep or was he happy? He was so happy that he carried the sheep on his shoulders and he went to his family and his neighbors and he said, let's celebrate because I found the sheep that I've been looking for, right? And uh, what is that story really about? Do you remember? It's about we being sheep and God's the good shepherd. You're right. So what does that mean to us if we get lost like that sheep does? Does that mean that Jesus is going to come find us? Yeah. Well, when he was explaining the parable to people, he said um, that the whole earth and heaven rejoices when that one sheep is found. And that's what he feels about us whenever we are lost and discouraged and we ask for help. Jesus will come and find us and save us. And all of heaven rejoices when we are found again. Does that make you feel good? Yeah, it makes you feel like Jesus loves you, don't you? Um, do you think maybe we should treat other people like that? Be excited 
and be excited when they have good things happen to them and when they realize the presence of God in their lives. Yeah? All right. Well, let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please continue to open up our hearts to the word that Pastor Keith is about to bring. Help us to remember that you are our good shepherd. You care for us and you love us. You love us so much that you will come and find us in our lost places. Please bless these children, bless this church, and help us to grow in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pray with me, please. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Our responsive reading this morning is Psalm 138. It can be found on page 853 in the hymnal and following on page 854. Let us read responsively. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me, you my life. All the rulers of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For the Lord is high, but regards the lowly. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hands against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. O Lord, fulfill your purpose for me. O Lord, please your steadfast love endure forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you hear the prayers of the people this day? We lift up Jimmy Pickens, Dr. Omar Campbell, Julie Mathis, John Dunn, our world leaders, our military and their leaders, Janice Vaughn, Ben Estes. And I would also ask that you would add to that list uh, my niece, Vicki um, Vicky Sibley. She lives in Branson, Missouri, and fell last night on the ice, which they still have an abundance of and broke both the bones in her wrist and has surgery. So please be in prayer for her. Are there others you would add this morning? Wayne and Jackie Lott. Wayne and Jackie Lott. Okay. Are there any others? Yes. Okay. 
we will check up on Pete in the morning and, and discover if anything's going on, but we hope there's not, but we want to lift him up. Are there any others? Okay, let's pray together. Lord, as we come to you this day, we come to you not as those who know anything. We sometimes fool ourselves into believing that we have the strength and the ability and the power and the knowledge to do things, but then we realize pretty quickly that we don't. We realize that what we need to do is to have and build a relationship with you. Help us to realize that what we need to do more than anything else is to surrender ourselves. Just simply to surrender and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So every name that has been mentioned, every circumstance that has been mentioned, every need that is silent, that has not been mentioned out loud, we ask as we know that you are, that you would be at work with your grace and your love and your mercy. Your hands would guide and direct the doctors and the nurses. For everyone that is hurting, we ask, Lord, that you would give a sense of peace. For everyone that is suffering, we ask that you would give relief. We ask, Lord, that your love would fall down upon us like rain. And now we want to pray together the way you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would our ushers come forward at this time? abundance of blessings that you've already given us we cannot stop and say thank you enough for what you have blessed us with so what we can do in lieu of that is to take of the tithes and the gifts and offerings that we're about to give to give them back to you and ask you to guide us and to show us how to use them in this place and in the world around us we ask Lord you would do these things and grant these petitions and we ask it in the name of Jesus and together we say amen
please remain standing as we sing as the deer. Let me ask you if you would like to to turn or to look at the screen. You'll see the 23rd Psalm. And it begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This morning, we're going to deal with what may be, probably is, at least in my estimation, is the most common sin among Christians. Never fun when we talk about sin, is it? But this is one that you may find a little bit disconcerting. You may not have thought about this as a sin. I think you'll be surprised when we find out what the sin is. So let me read you some verses and see if you can identify what sin I'm talking about. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Matthew 6.34, Therefore not, do not be anxious about anything, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Luke 12, 22, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Luke 21, 9, and when you hear of wars and turmoils, do not be terrified. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. So what is God telling us is the most common sin in our life? Worry. It's worry. Being anxious. Maybe you're never anxious. Maybe you're one of these people who are always just kind of calm and cool and collected. Everyone has their own worry personality, I would call it. Some of us fret and worry and talk and batter around and lay awake at night and read the holes in the tiles in the wall. Some of us worry without knowing what it is even we're worrying about. Some of us worry about specific things. Some of us worry it seems like almost for the sake of worrying. So after reading these passages, I think you'd agree with me that worry, first of all, is a sin and probably the most common sin in the life of the Christian. Now, there's no shortage of people out there who are willing to give you something to worry about. Read the newspaper, turn on the TV, turn on the radio, look at a video. You'll find things to concern you, things to worry about. It hasn't been very many days ago I was kind of going through the channels of my radio station. There was nothing on that I particularly wanted to hear at that particular time. So I was just kind of hitting scan, you know, five seconds here, 10 seconds there, listening to what was going on. And I came across a talk show host who shall remain unnamed because it's really not pertinent to what I'm about to say, but a talk show host who was talking about things of a Christian nature. He claimed to be a Christian and I have no reason to doubt that. But then it dawned on me that every product that was sponsoring his talk show was talking about things that took care of worry. He was promoting buying gold, so long-term financial security. He was talking about buying these, this equipment that you could have long-term dehydration of food and it would last for a long time. He was talking about financial worries. He was talking about alarm systems. He was talking about safes to protect us against fire and burglary. He was talking about guns to protect our families from people who would want to harm us. And he was talking about financial safeguards that would take care of protecting our credit cards and our debit cards and our checks and our bank accounts. Nothing wrong at all with any of those products. Absolutely nothing wrong with any of those products. In fact, it might be very prudent, very wise, very intelligent for some of us to, to use, take advantage of one or more of them. But we should never do that out of a sense of fear. 
We shouldn't let fear and anxiety and worry determine our path in life. The truth be told, in the long run, none of these things could have anything to do with eliminating worry because they're only dealing with the symptoms. They're not dealing with the disease itself. They're not dealing with the root cause of our worry. I don't want to join that list of people this morning who are adding to your worries. There are far too many of those. Instead, I'm going to share with you the biblical antidote for worry. Psalms 23. Now, for some reason, when we see Psalms, hear Psalms 23, we immediately, at least most of us, think of funerals. Why? Because there are very few funerals that you don't hear the 23rd Psalm. Because it lends itself to that dynamic. It lends itself to that type of thing that's happening. But is that really what the 23rd Psalm is about? Is it really a, a funeral psalm? I think we're going to find this is not a psalm about death as we study over the next three weeks from here about the 23rd Psalm. We're going to find it's a song about death. It's a kind of abundant, fulfilling, joyful, worry-free life that can only be found by making Jesus our shepherd. Now, out of all the pictures that David could have chosen, he could have chosen to talk about his brothers. He could have chosen to talk about his father. He could have chosen to talk about life in the village he lived in. We don't really know much about David in that aspect of his life. But instead, David chose to use the concept, the analogy, the word picture of sheep and shepherds. Now, that was a familiar relationship with David. David knew all about sheep and shepherds. Why? Because he was one. He spent most of his young, youthful life taking care of the sheep, that were wandering around in the pasture that belonged to his father. And so, because of his familiar passage, David did something a little different. He didn't project himself into the life of the shepherd. David wrote as if he were one of the sheep being taken care of by the shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel kind of sheepish. Okay, get ready to laugh, yeah. But have you ever really thought about the fact that David didn't talk about himself as a shepherd. He talked about himself as one of the sheep. Think about it. What does it mean to be one of the sheep? Well, I will tell you this. We're going to see in the days ahead, in the weeks ahead, that sheep are not always the smartest of animals. So David began the Psalms with these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, that first verse gives us a theme for the entire 23rd Psalm. But that also gives us an attitude to war, an antidote to worry. We could actually restate those first two lines this way. If Jesus is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Now, let, let me go back just really quickly and read those two together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here's another transliteration. If Jesus is my shepherd, I have everything I need. So if you have everything you need, why are you worried? We look at the words of the first verse, and, and I, I need to make a comment on the whole concept of sheep and shepherds. Most of you are like me. You don't have a lot of experience in being a shepherd. You haven't been around a lot of sheep. I know that sheep are woolly. Sheep are not very smart, and sometimes sheep can be bad. Sometimes, it's okay to laugh, sometimes. You know, I've always said, Christians should be the happiest people in the world. Why? Because we have a relationship with the creator of the universe. We know what's going to happen. We've read the end of the book. We know we're going to win. The Lord is the one shepherding me. Now, in that context, 
Shepherd is not used as a noun. It's used in the Greek as an active verb. I am being shepherded. It's not saying I am the shepherd. It means I'm being done to. I am shepherding. The shepherd is shepherding me, you, us. The Lord is the one shepherding us. I love the way of translating the verse because it reveals to us the shepherd's more than just a title for God. The idea that God is the one who shepherds me reveals to me that he is actively involved in my life. Now, that's the key word. The word shepherding tells us that God is actively involved in my life. God is not an absentee landlord. God didn't create us and then say, see you later. God didn't create us and then go off somewhere else and totally forget about us. God is actively working in my life right now just as much as he was in David's life all those thousands of years ago. Now, the one is the Lord shepherding me. What does it mean? It means he must be your personal shepherd. Let's take a moment and look at that. The last part of that phrase in, in that first verse says, I shall not want. We have to understand that without Jesus as our shepherd, we have a life full of deficiencies. I'll experience loneliness, discouragement, disappointment, failure, hopelessness, confusion, and chaos. On the other hand, if Jesus is indeed shepherding me, he is my shepherd, I have a personal relationship with him, he has promised that I will have everything that I need. Obviously, that doesn't mean Jesus will give us everything we want. That's a failure. That's a human understanding. And you've heard me say this again over the years to come. You'll hear me say it many more times, I hope. God is not a cosmic ATM machine. But that's how we act like. What do we do? We pull up in our automobile. We roll the, well, we don't roll the window down. We push the button. I'm showing my age. We push the button. The window goes down. And we take this cosmic ATM card. We stick it in the ATM machine. And we tell God what we want. And then we kind of hold our hands out and expect him to fulfill that need and want. That's not the way it works. God doesn't work that way. We are asking for things in keeping with his will, and then he will give me everything I need. It's a four-letter word, but it's not the one that starts with W. It's not want. It's need. If Jesus is my shepherd, I will have everything I need. And if I have everything I need to do whatever Jesus has called me to do, then what have I got to worry about? Listen to that one more time. If I have everything I need to do everything that Jesus has called me to do, what do I have to worry about? I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. Now, let's, let's don't hear me say we're not supposed to gather together, et cetera, et cetera. Gathering together as a family of God is important. Why? Because Sunday is our filling station. Wednesday night is our filling station. You've got to have personal time in God's Word. You've got to have devotional time. But gathering together with the people of God on Sunday and Wednesday night and any other time we can gather is a time that we can talk one with the other, we can share one with the other, we can encourage one with the other. So we need to have Jesus as our shepherd. Now Janice told me at, uh, that I would, at Trinity I was talking about 120 miles an hour, so I'm trying to gear it back to about 85. So if I talk too fast, I, I apologize. I've just got a lot to say this morning. We have communion, so I'm trying to get everything in that we need to have in. How can I be sure that Jesus is my shepherd? Well, you can know that if you know him personally. I want to encourage you to read this 23rd Psalm over the weeks ahead. 
several times each week, not just once, not just twice, but read it over and over again. Let it, let it kind of incubate. Let it kind of grow. Let it kind of work in your life. I want you to pay close attention to all the pronouns that are used in the 23rd Psalm. Now, if I counted correctly, math is not my thing, so I may have miscounted. But I want to tell you this. If I counted correctly, the pronouns me, my, and I are used 17 times in the 23rd Psalm, which has 113 words. The pronouns he and him are used five times in the first three verses. That's referring to God. Then in verse 4, David changes from talking about God to talking to God. And from verse 4 to the end of the Psalms, he uses the pronoun you and yours five more times when he's referring to God. Now, why does the world have to do with anything? I want to show you it's a deeply personal psalm. It's a deeply personal passage. It's not a psalm about religion. It's a psalm about relationship. Religion cannot fix your worry. Only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can do that. You can never have a relationship with God based on somebody else's relationship with him. It doesn't matter if your parents went to church here. It doesn't matter if your grandparents went to church here. It doesn't matter if your great-great-great-grandparents went to church here and every generation thereof. That relationship is based on Jesus Christ and you like this. It's not based on anything anyone else has done. It's a personal psalm. John 10, 14 says this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Jesus said, my sheep know me. My sheep know who I am. There was a story I, I was reading as I was studying for the sermon over the last couple of weeks. There was a tourist who had gone to overseas to Israel, and he'd come across a shepherd. And there were two or three shepherds talking together, and there were two or three groups of sheep that had kind of gathered together. And the tourist went up to one of the shepherds and through the translator asked a question. He said, if I call, if you call your sheep, will they come to you? And the shepherd goes, oh, yes. And so the shepherd says, watch. He gets up. He walks a little part away from the group of sheep, and there's about 150 sheep there. And he calls. As soon as the sheep hears his voice, some of those heads, and they start looking for him. He speaks again, and about 50 to 60 of those sheep just kind of break loose from the crowd and follow after him. He goes to the second shepherd and goes, do you sheep know you? And he, the guy said, yes. And he did the same thing, sure enough. As soon as he called their name, they heard his voice and they went with him. He went to the third shepherd and said, can I try something? The third shepherd goes through the translator, well, I guess so. He said, can I put on your head wrap and your cloak and call your shepherd or call your sheep? And the shepherd goes, well, okay. And so the tourist wrapped himself in the head wrap, put on his robe, took his crook, and he called the sheep, and the sheep just kept grazing. So he called them again using the same words the other shepherds had used. The shepherds just kept grazing. Why? Because they didn't know that voice. They knew that was not their shepherd. Now, what has that got to do with anything? We have to make sure that we understand we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when he calls, then we listen, we hear. If your relationship with, with Jesus is not genuine, then you may say that you're taking your problems to Jesus, but what you're really going to do is 
turn to Dave Ramsey or Susie Ormer for financial problems, or you'll check out Jim Dotson or Dr. Phil or for your relationship problems, or John Maxwell or Warren Buffett or Stephen Covey for your work issues. Maybe you'll check out Smith & Wesson for your personal protection concerns. You have to understand that the person you call out to has to be your shepherd, not someone else. It's possible that Jesus will let you use some of those resources, but basically, Jesus is saying, I'm the shepherd, call out to me. If you really know Jesus, then you'll trust him to be your shepherd. So if Jesus is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And the first thing I have to do is make sure that Jesus is my personal savior, my personal shepherd. The second thing I have to do, I have to give him control of my life. Now, that's probably the hardest thing in my life. True confession time. I like being in charge. Probably you do too. You don't like giving your life over to someone else. You don't like giving control over to someone else. Sometimes that's why people become entrepreneurs, start their own business because they don't want to answer to somebody else. But fundamentally, I think most of us would agree we don't like being told what to do. I guess that's the only way I can think of to put it. You ever had a child look at you and say, you're not my mama? Those of us who are school teachers have experienced that before. What the child is saying is, you can't tell me what to do. What we as adults do sometimes is look at the world and say, you can't tell me what to do. Because we don't want anyone controlling our lives other than ourselves. But I want you to hear this sentence. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. Now, listen to that one more time. The Lord can't be your, our shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. If you don't allow Jesus Christ to be in charge of your life, he can't be your shepherd because you're going to be like that sheep that go astray. You're not going to listen. You're not going to pay any attention. You can't ask Jesus to be your shepherd without first asking him to be your Lord. So let's think about that sheep-shepherd relationship again. In that relationship, the shepherd is in complete control. Now, I want to give you a, a mental picture. Can you imagine I'm a shepherd, and I have, say, 100 sheep with me. That story is in the Bible, the 100 sheep, one goes missing. So I'm shepherding, and I am shepherding, actively shepherding the sheep all day long, and we come to a place where there's two paths. One goes left, one goes right. And I scratch my head because I'm not familiar with this part of the country, and so I think to myself, which path should we take? So what does the shepherd do? Does he gather the hundred sheep together and say, okay, sheep, here's the deal. There are two paths. I have no idea where I'm at. I have no idea where they go. So I'm going to let whatever the largest group of sheep go down, I'm going to follow after them. You don't have a democratic voting process for sheep. And you're probably thinking, well, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard of. No one would expect the sheep to make the decision. They would expect the shepherd to make the decision. Exactly. But if Jesus is not your shepherd, you're not allowing him to make the decision. You may say you are, you may think you are, but what you're really doing is just saying, Jesus, I'm going to go where I want to go. So there's a couple of tests that will help you determine whether Jesus is Lord of your life. Here's the first one. When some crisis comes into your life, you're faced with fear. We start to worry about things. We get distressed and distraught. 
We can want to do two things. We can either panic or we can pray. My grandfather, I don't know where this came from, if it was original to him or he had read it somewhere, but he used to love to say, when in danger or in doubt, run in circle, scream and shout. Well, we laugh, but isn't that what some of us do? When in danger or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. How many times have I allowed that to happen in my life? Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? This is happening. That is happening. The sky is falling. I'm chicken little. I'm going to run in circles and pull out my head because I don't know what to do. As a Christian, I can promise you, you'll know what to do. It's called give it over to God and let God take care of it. When our checkbook balance runs down to zero and we have bills coming in with our name on it, by the way, have you ever remember, do you remember when it was you were first considered an adult? In my life, I think I realized I was an adult when the bills started coming in the mailbox and they had my name on them. It didn't say my father and my mother. It had my name on it. And I looked at that bill and thought, oh, no. Well, when you're down to zero in your bank book balance and you still got bills to pay, you can either run down to Title Max, I guess, and get a short-term loan or, or whatever you do, or you can pray about it. When we have difficulties in our marriage, we can either immediately turn to a divorce counselor or divorce lawyer, or we can pray about it. When there's a terror attack or a school shooting or a hostage situation, we can go buy a gun and lots of ammunition, or we can pray about it. If Jesus is generally my Lord, then prayer will be my first response, not my last resort. What happens in your life? When you're worried about something, is the first thing you do to fall to your knees and pray? Was the first thing to do, run around in circles, screaming and shouting, until finally you give up. The only option left is to pray, and then you give it to God. Here's the second test. Do you regularly spend time in God's Word, on your own or with others? If you really, truly desire to make Jesus Lord of your life, you're going to spend time reading His Word. That would be like when you first start dating someone. And, you know, you're madly in love. And not, not saying that you're not madly in love after you get married. Uh, that, that happens, hopefully. But imagine you're dating someone and you're separated. Maybe one of you are in the service and the other is back stateside. Well, what do you do? You write letters back and forth. Well, I, now I guess you send emails back and forth. But typically, the time I'm thinking when I was growing up, you had written letters to each other. If you really love that person, would you get a letter from them and go, oh, yes, yeah, a letter from Janice, whatever. That's not what you would do. If you were in a relationship with that person, you would want to know what they had to say. Guess what? The Bible is God's love letter to you. The Bible is God's way of saying, here's what you need to do. Here's what you take care of. You pray. You come to me. You build on that relationship. So we have to understand the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Since the Lord can't be my shepherd until the shepherd is my Lord, I've got to be giving control of my life to him. Third thing, quickly, we have to be happy with his provision. We have to be satisfied with his provision. David wrote, I shall not want, because his confidence wasn't in himself. His confidence was in God through Jesus Christ. He understood that as a good shepherd, God has committed himself to my welfare, to watching after me, to taking care of me, and he will provide all the things that I need. About a thousand years after David wrote these words, Paul said something in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. 
My God will supply every need in, that you have in you through his riches and glory through Jesus Christ. Now, do you think God's ever going to get overdrawn on his account? What that passage is saying, Paul is saying, God possesses everything. And through that possession of everything that is and was and shall be, God will provide for my needs. And you may think, well, I remember a time when blah, blah, and this happened, and that didn't happen, and that didn't happen, and that happened, and, and God didn't supply. Are you sure you weren't asking for wants instead of needs? We have to be satisfied with the provision of God. God promises to meet every one of our needs, and that means everyone. There's not a true need you have that God won't provide for. The implication is I have to be perfectly happy with the shepherd's manager in my life and what he's provided for me. But the problem is we don't always live like that. We're not always happy with what the shepherd has done for us. When you pray, ask yourself this question. Do I spend more time thanking God for what he has already provided or asking God for something you want? Do you spend more time when you pray thanking God or asking God? I personally think you should spend more time thanking God for what God has done, is doing, and will do in your life. If you recognize that every good thing comes from the shepherd and you find satisfaction in that, then your natural reaction is going to be to acknowledge that constantly you should give thanks to God for supplying you every need. On the other hand, if you're not satisfied with what the shepherd has done, you're going to view God as some kind of genie in the sky. You rub the lamp, the genie comes out, you tell the genie what you want, you get three wishes, et cetera, et cetera. We have to understand, again, if Jesus is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And when I have everything I need, there's no need to worry about anything else. So what are you worried about this morning? As we come to the close, before we come to the Lord's table, what are you worried about this morning? Have no worries and blessings upon you. I want to come sit at your feet because I'll be honest, I still worry, not like I used to. There are times that things happen and I think, oh, what am I going to do? And then I find out that God has already provided for it. God has already given me what I need to deal with the situation I'm in. But there still are times that I worry. I confess that. But are you worried about finances, your relationships, your job, your safety, something else? Are you worried because you just are by nature a warrior? The good news for all of us this morning is God has provided us with a 100% effective antidote to our worries. He has promised if we make Jesus our personal Savior, we will have everything we need. And when we have everything we need, there's no need to worry. Let me close with a story. There was a big-time, big-name actor who had been invited to speak at a dinner. And so he said that, yes, he would come and he would speak at the dinner. Well, they had a, a wonderful meal. The, the dishes were all closed, taken off the table, white tablecloths and were sitting there. And the people were set back in their chairs ready to hear this great actor. And so he spoke and did a wonderful job. And then he looked out at the crowd and there were several thousand there. And he looked at it in the crowd and he said, name something you would like me to recite, a poem, poetry, a reading. What would you like me to do? Well, everybody kind of looked at each other. They weren't sure what he was asking. And no one wanted to be the first one. Till finally, in the very back of the room, an old pastor stood up and said, sir, and he was acknowledged by the actor, 
spotlight came and shone on him. And peering into that spotlight, the old pastor said, I would love to hear you say the 23rd Psalm. And the actor kind of looked askance at, at this man and went, um, okay. He said, I will do it on one condition. The old pastor said, what is that? The actor said, I will recite the 23rd Psalm if after I recite it, you recite it. The old pastor, with a little fear and trembling, said, yes, I will do that. And so the actor recited the 23rd Psalm, and when he finished, the people rose to their feet unanimously, giving him a standing ovation. When the actor got them seated and quiet again, the old pastor made his way slowly, painfully, to the microphone. And he stood in front of the microphone, and looking out upon the crowd of people, he recited the 23rd Psalm. When the 23rd Psalm was over, the old pastor did get a standing ovation, but there wasn't a dry eye in the house. There were tears in the eyes of everyone who was in the sound of his voice. The actor came up, embraced the pastor, turned back to the microphone and looked at the crowd and said, do you know the difference in me reciting the 23rd Psalm and this man reciting the 23rd Psalm? And the crowd was quiet. And he said, the difference is this. I know the 23rd Psalm. This man knows the shepherd. That's the difference. You may know the 23rd Psalm. You may be able to recite the Bible in its original language, backwards and forwards. You may know the answer to every question that falls in your lap. But if you do not know the shepherd, you're just going through the motions. You'll never have the kind of life, a worry-free. Now, don't hear me say this. Please don't hear me say this. I am not saying you will never have problems. You will have trials and tribulations. But you will learn gradually, little bit by little bit, when you have that relationship with the shepherd, there's no need to worry. It's been a hard lesson for me to learn. It's not an easy lesson for any of us. Because I think by nature, some of us are warriors. But we have to understand this. If you know the shepherd, you already have everything that you need. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to know the shepherd. Help us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are loved, that your grace, your mercy, your love, your compassion fall down upon us like a springtime rain. Right now, it's cold outside. We've had some bitterly cold days, and it's hard to think of a springtime rain, but it will not be many days or weeks until we will walk out into the day and we will feel the warmth of the rain soaking into our clothes and we will turn our eyes to the heavens and give thanks to God for the provisions he has made for us. Help us to realize that worry will not add a single moment to our lives. All it will do is make us miserable. We have to know the shepherd as Lord before we can make the Lord our shepherd. Simple, but yet hard to put in practice. Help us this day, this week, to go forth from this place and work at making the shepherd our Lord. 
Help us to realize that we need more than anything else a touch from God. And we ask, Lord, those things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all the sheep in this place say together, Amen. Amen. Hearts in your minds for Holy Communion. This is the time that we were given, given by God, to come to the table and to show and remember and to think and to meditate upon the things that He has done for us. Christ the Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sins before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is right and a good and joyful thing in always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people here on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord. By the baptism of his suffering, his death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and you made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he was betrayed, in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave us to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, and do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, as would have been the custom of the day, we just would have been a communal cup, the fourth cup of the meal. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to the disciples and said, and as he looked at the disciples, it must have seemed as though an infinity of time went by. It must have seemed as though time stopped as he looked into the heart and the soul of each disciple and knew their heart, knew their minds, knew their soul, their strengths and their weaknesses. But even knowing that, he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty actions, Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine 
Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, almighty God, now and forever. you come at this time? This is the body of Christ for you. Amen. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given. prayer. Lord, as we have come to the table, we come desiring communion with you, being called into remembrance of these acts of sacrifice for us. And as we leave this place, help us to be our shepherd as we allow him to be our Lord. May we tell the world about him. We ask it in your name.
body of Christ given for you. Amen. The body of Christ, my brother, given for you. The body of Christ given for you, my brother. Truly, my brother, the body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you, Bob. The body of Christ given for you. Body of Christ given for you. Amen. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. And the body of Christ given for you, my brother. Here's prayer. Lord, we come to you as sheep who have gone astray, prone to wander. Lord, I feel that, knowing that we are a sheep prone to wander. And yet, as we come to your table, we are called back into communion. We are called back one with the other. We are called to gather together as the body of Christ and to leave this place vowing to serve as signpost, pointing the way to Jesus Christ. Give us strength, give us power, give us your glory. We ask it in your name. Amen. given for you. Amen. Lord, in the body of Christ given for you. Here in the body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. My brother, the body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you given for you. Carlos, the body of Christ given for you. Cliff, the body of Christ given for you. Sherry, the body of Christ given for you. Tom, the body of Christ given for you. And Lynn, the body of Christ given for you. Hear this prayer your people we have gathered in this place like sheep we often go astray prideful boastful stubborn not listening not hearing but we are given the opportunity at this table to lay everything down help us Lord as we lay things down not to take them up with us when we leave this altar help us to leave here everything that does so easily beset us, those things called sin, including worry. Help us to realize that the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Amen.
given for you banner of the body of Christ given for you Christina my sister the body of Christ given for you James the body of Christ given for you amen the body of Christ given for you the body of Christ given for you amen and this is the body of Christ given for you amen the body of Christ given for you Body of Christ given for you. Body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. The body of Christ given for you. Hear this prayer. Lord, we've come to you. We have proclaimed our allegiance to you. You have told us that you would always be with us even until the end of the age. And we claim that promise. We have told you that we are your sheep, that we will follow you as Lord and shepherd. So help us indeed do that. Leave this place going after you and the people of God together. Amen.
with me, oh blessed thought, oh words with heavenly comfort for whatever I do, where I be, still God, God's hand that leadeth me, he leadeth me, he leadeth me, his own hand he leadeth me, his faithful follow I would be, by his hand he leadeth me. south, Lord of the east, Lord of the north, Lord of the west, Lord of the day, Lord of the night, that God which was, that God which is, that God which will be. And out of these manifestations of God, there is one true and lasting fact. God will be with us until the ends of the age. He will be our shepherd. He will shepherd us. And if we allow him to shepherd us, then we will be infused and renewed and enabled and empowered to go out into the world and tell the world that there is something different about me because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But yet, Lord, we will not even need to say the words, because if we truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the world will see it and take notice of it and ask the reason for it. And we will say it is because of the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. As we leave this place, as we go out the door, Help us to remember and to realize and to acknowledge that the sermon starts when we walk out the steps into the world. 
Help us to be warriors of God, prayer warriors, ready to give God the glory in all things. And we ask it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the blessed Holy Spirit and together the people of God say, Amen. 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 Go in peace into the world.